0: This is the reality of a 26-year-old girl who left Sweden to follow her dreams by moving to South Africa, where she lives with, raises, and rehabilitates wild cheetahs. Welcome to Episode 12 with Lisa Kittasaho. You are listening to Len Jones' Party of Two, where experts and influencers speak honestly and openly about their keys to success. Sponsored by TrueFace.ai, where your face is the key. For more information on Trueface, please contact your host
1: at en at trueface.ai. Now pay close attention, cause you gonna learn today. Oh
0: my hello party people, we are back. And I'm sure you already know, but if you don't, it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And what better to kick off your next hour with one of those stories that makes you smile ear to ear. I'm talking the type of smile that you get when it's a late day at work and you get home and your dog comes running at you with tail wagging. But instead of dogs, We're talking wild cheetahs. (laughs) So if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold. To educate millennials by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all of my friends in my life that are making moves. To meet my other friends in life that are making moves. To create one giant community of extraordinary people. First, let me confess real quick that I am a huge cat guy. I have three cats back in New York named Cougar, Moose, and Jiggy. AKA Miss Jiggy with it, and find myself spending too much time sucked into videos involving cats. And when I'm talking cats, I mean lions, tigers, cheetahs, jaguars, bobcats, ocelots, all the cat homies of the world. And on many occasions, i found myself DMing different organizations around the world just to dip my toes into seeing what's out there to satisfy this itch of experiencing life with such beautiful animals. And although personally, I've never yet had the chance to even touch such an animal, I know for a fact that i found the next best thing, the chance to live the those experiences through the lens of someone who has dedicated her life to conservation efforts by raising cheetahs who have been orphaned at a young age to rehabilitate them into being able to sustain themselves in the wild. Elisa Kitasaho is the head of the Western Cape Cheetah Conservation Program in South Africa and by all means she is no normal 26 year old. At first glance when looking at her Instagram page you may see a girl that seems to be snuggling and cuddling cheetahs all day but that couldn't be further from the reality. We're talking like female version of Tarzan status, as Lisa spends her days out in the fields with the cheetahs where she teaches them how to survive and hunt in the wild with a level of dedication that will blow your mind. I particularly love to hear about the economics behind starting and expanding wildlife conservation efforts and the key factors behind their sustainability. It was also very interesting how she notes what to look for when identifying foundations that have the animal's best interests in mind versus those that are more so trained and geared solely for human entertainment. Bottom line. We need more people like Lisa in this world, and I know her story will strike a chord with many of you. And so, if you know anyone that needs that reality check that you can go out and live your wildest dreams, you owe it to them to share this podcast with them. Now, without further ado, let's jump into it. We're live. We're here with Lisa Kittasaho. How are you doing?
1: Very good. Thank you. How are you?
0: Phenomenal. And Lisa, I'm stoked that I was able to catch you in this rare moment when you're actually in Sweden and not in South Africa. So hopefully the Wi Fi will work out.
1: Yes. Finally, we got some good connections. So it's super. <laughs> and thank
0: you so much for your time. And I'm stoked to pick your mind on a couple things because your story is absolutely amazing to me because, you know, in our social media, cyborg infested life you know it can be hard to detract and really sort of feel in the moment and I know personally even when I'm at home with say my three house cats or like my dog Riley animals have a way of calming my mind and making me feel like I'm actually in the moment and I see what you're doing and I'm just so fascinated at how a 26 year old left Sweden ended up in South Africa living with and rehabilitating orphan cheetahs to return to the wild. Like, when I hypothetically think of the most incredible experiences a millennial or just about anyone can have, that definitely is at the top of the list. <laughs> so I'm really curious, like, where did this cheetah fairy tale begin?
1: Well, yeah, it really began from a, I mean, my passion for animals definitely started from a very young age. And I, de- I knew that I wanted to to work with animals, but not exactly in which regards, because I didn't know that what I'm doing today is actually possible. Um, But I was pursuing my passions, and I was doing my education, and I ended up working as a part of my internship in Namibia the first time, and that's where I worked with African Wildlife, and I really saw that, wow, this is definitely what I want to do. And uh, from there, I got the possibility to go to South Africa. And after my education and I moved over there without any hesitation and I just really found that okay this is definitely what I want to do.
0: How did you first get that internship like what was that was that through school?
1: Yeah that was actually through my education so they had a few different options you could travel abroad or you can do something in Sweden and then I was very interested in going abroad and uh, when I saw this opportunity in Namibia I was definitely very excited about it so I got the opportunity to go there and that really opened my eyes for conservation and uh, rehabilitation of African wildlife. And that's when I, I started really looking for opportunities in that, in that field.
0: Was it like a whole semester or was it like just for a few weeks?
1: Yeah, it was just for about a month. So it was not very long, but uh, it was definitely enough for me to, to see what I needed to pursue
0: you went there and then when you came back were you super sad you left like did you know like immediately when you went south africa like this is where i gotta be
1: yeah i knew that i definitely knew that um i immediately started looking for possibilities to go back to africa and uh, i knew that within less than a year i would be able to to do something because i was finishing my degree so i just um i just put my mind to that and and worked hard and um, and then I got the opportunity and I just booked my flight and I was ready to do it.
0: Did you like have connections out there during that internship that made it possible for you to kind of jump right into helping out on the reserve? Or like how did your connection first come into play with the, the, the Cape Cheetah Reserve?
1: Yeah, it definitely um, helped the fact that I was previously in that field. I met different people that were working as game rangers and such. And so all those people that I was working with at that place kind of spread out all over Africa and doing their jobs. So I was chatting with all of them and they said, oh, I'm here and I'm here. And then I got uh, the opportunity through that. So through one of the contacts, I heard about Western Cape Cheetah Conservation and I knew about their work because they have a very different way of of working with cheetahs and it's very innovative and um, a kind of technique that I find uh, resonates a lot with me. So so yeah, so then I was super happy to be able to go and join the team.
0: That's incredible. So did you find like when speaking to all these Rangers and networking out there that people were just like very kind and open to giving advice and helping out?
1: Yeah, definitely. I would say so. They, they definitely saw a passion and then they, they wanted to support that. So if you have a big drive and a big passion for the right reasons, people are very, very um, kind to try to help and put you in the right connections when they can. Uh it's not an easy um, field to get into. It's like you definitely need to have a lot of experience, but to get there is difficult. But if you are very determined, you can actually get in there. And then from there, it's much easier
0: right yeah getting that that foot in the door into this life so so tell us about like early stage like your first say week with the cheetah conservation like what was that like
1: wow that was that was like the best i I really remember that every day was so exciting and every experience and every moment was really fun and by the end of the week when i was having my off day i was thinking I don't need an off day. This is so much fun. I don't. I don't need to be off work. I can work all the time. Um, so yeah, it was definitely so much fun. And for me, the biggest um, enjoyment was the connection with the animals. And that's. I mean, that's always something that I. I love with animals is to really connect with them, and uh, and seeing the different individuals. That was for me like the most exciting. So. I was spending a lot of time just seeing the animals and reading their personalities and trying to sync with them and uh yeah it was super fun
0: it's so cool when we were chatting offline, I remember you were talking about how with the cheetahs like they can almost like read your thoughts like read your mind yeah and that if you're not there completely like they almost know and they'll kind of shrug you off
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing it's really something I find it is so cool with them. It's uh it's like they lose interest of you like you're not here anyway, so I'm just going to leave you. <laughs>
0: that's crazy.
1: But yeah, that's what I was mentioning that that brings you to become more present and I think that's what they really has taught me uh is to be very present in the moment because like I said if you don't if you're focusing on other things or you having a frustration for whatever reason then they know that, and they're like, "No, you're not fun to be around." So I'm just leaving you now. But if you're present, if you're enjoying the moment, if you're there with them, then they they love you, they'll follow you, and you get you get your reward basically.
0: <laughs> what goes into raising? A giant cheetah. <laughs> like what goes into from the time you get the cheetah to the rehabilitation process to earning their trust to being next to this animal that is essentially wild, but it's got that, you know, captive feeling. Like what is that like and what's that process look like to rehabilitate a cheetah?
1: Okay, so definitely involves a lot of patience, <laughs> a lot of patience, a lot of dedication um, and, uh, and time, of course. I mean, it's really whenever that has happened, that we had uh, young ones coming into the center, it's been an additional thing on my plate. It's not been like, oh, now you've got a cheetah to care about that That's all you're going to do in a day. No, that's like, you're going to do all your work in a day and also take care of this, you know, young animal. So you basically double your work and you work all night to make sure that they're in good health and you know if they're really young they need to be battle fed and everything so it's a lot of work and you work overtime but when you love it then and it's your passion then it's not a problem of course you get tired but you push through it um and it's no it's uh, definitely exciting times and you um get to get to know this animal we don't always have the same ideas as their wild animals they might think that they can um you know, jump on you and scratch you and bite you. And you're like, you're not really supposed to do that. And you have to learn about them to kind of work together rather than trying to impose them what to do and what not to do. Because they're not a dog, they're not a pet. So they, they have their ways and they have their ways of doing things with their mother. And if you kind of um, study how they act with each other, then you kind of get some points on how to to train them, let's say, to become a, a healthy, good individual that you can actually work with when they're adults. Um, so there's a bit of the training part and the rehabilitation part is always different. So the re- re- rehabilitation part always depends on the individual and what circumstances come into the center. Sometimes they're in good health, but they just need the right diet, then obviously that's the most important part. Sometimes they have some medical issues and that needs to be treated and that's super important. But yeah, just the main things is patience and hard work dedication and and the right knowledge. Um I don't think that there is any way of like shortcutting your way into this. If you do it's not a good thing for the animals because if you don't have your basic knowledge and skills about animal husbandry then it would negatively reflect back on the animal and so uh, you can't get the result that you want because you might not know the basic like hygiene kind of protocols of how to care for a regular animal so you couldn't actually care for a cheetah then definitely
0: everyone always wants to pet say a tiger or a lion or you know they're the most beautiful amazing glorious uh, animals on the planet and a lot of people figure that you know just going out and petting a cheetah or petting an animal is like is very cool and glamorous and i know when people see your instagram they see all these beautiful photos of cheetahs like it seems like you're just living in like the Lion King and Hakuna Matata mode. But it seems like there's a lot that people don't see, like a lot that goes into it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that people wouldn't be that interested in looking at me like cleaning up feces and stuff (laughs) because that's what people are expecting. But that is such a big part of the job. And a lot of the times like I try to convey that in the comments or when people are asking me questions on like direct messages, I'll be like, you know do remember that what you see is just a fraction of my life like i won't be showing when i'm you know lifting chunks of meat and stuff or cutting cutting up food um because no one really wants to see that but i am you know doing so many things in a day that that is not kind of instagram friendly but, um, yeah, so it's, it's a lot of work and, uh, and people just see the pictures and they're like, oh yeah, that's what she does. But that's probably a good idea to maybe like start showing more of that. But people might get a bit upset if they, if they're seeing bloody things and yeah. Yeah.
0: The, the, <laughs> yeah. the reality of nature. Yeah. Was there like out of all of the last three, I, I, how many years now have you been doing this?
1: Uh, about seven years
0: in the last seven years is there like one moment that you can reflect on that was just like melted your heart or you like dream about like it was that moment where you're like I just love what I'm doing this is my passion like I wish I could just be stuck in that moment
1: oh well I got few of them actually um I'm gonna try to think quickly because yeah I've got definitely few of them where I've just generally got a reality reality check and thought, wow, this is so beautiful. Like embrace this moment, especially now. That's those moments can be just being out in a without time limitations, out in the field, or seeing a first hunt of one of the cheetahs and and they catch something and you're just so proud of them. Um, it's also been moments where you kind of like when I, where I've noticed the connection with me and the cheetahs and they surprise me in some ways because they are a solitary animal in the wild. So they don't have that natural um, kind of social behaviors so that they really run up to you and, and, and snuggle with you. But they will, they will take those moments with you on their terms. So I love that about cheetahs because they're not just gonna love anyone they will do so if you kind of deserved it (laughs) if you like spend a lot of time with them so I had moments where I had males that have been for example put out into an area where they have less human contact and they've become wild there and um, and that is a whole reason for the area actually and um, becoming more difficult with other people and people saying well they're very aggressive and very difficult I've gone to the area to actually see them and to have a look that everything's fine and then noticing like a huge behavior um, difference. Uh, That has been very incredible because one specific moment, I had a male that was getting very, very wild, very aggressive to everyone. And when I came to see him in the area, I hadn't seen him for quite some time. He actually was just walking up and down and purring And when I came closer, one of the keepers that had been uh, in that area quite a lot, she was like, I never saw him that calm. Like, what is going on? He's very calm right now. And when I approached him, he was just purring and he actually lay down and he was very, very calm. So I I thought that was amazing because he actually could feel that I was the person who raised him and he remembered me. And even without actually looking at me because I was coming around a corner or even having time to smell me, he knew that it was me and he immediately was calm. And for me, that was a very powerful moment because it didn't only show that, yeah, he remembers me because I raised him. And, you know, it, it was really showing that he goes against his kind of natural behaviors as he had at that stage to greet me and show him, show me that he, he likes my presence and he is comfortable with my presence. and more amazingly after that he actually became more calm so he even that meeting once and then I did start to kind of go and visit him more often more frequently he he became much more calm and it was good for him I mean I'm not saying that I don't want them to be wild but it was becoming a little bit dangerous and he was jumping up and you know becoming very difficult with the people that was working with him and so from there on he he became much more balanced and relaxed it was almost like he said ah mommy is still watching out for me that's good
0: <laughs> when these cheetahs are like cubs are you because i'm assuming that when they're cubs they're a lot less dangerous um are you like like snuggling and sleeping with these guys like are these like are they almost like kittens when they're cubs like what's like a cub cheetah like
1: um they actually you know the ones that i've had have all been rescued so they haven't come like from I mean they all had their past so all the ones that I've had have been definitely like a miniature cheetah already when I had them <laughs> so yeah you had your moments when you were cuddling with them but you had your moments where they were like hissing at you and <laughs> like jumping on your face so uh, but on the other hand yes they were staying with me especially if they came from places where they've been kept as pets they would come and live with me and yes they would stay in my bed and things and like you know play with me and things like that but they in in their behavior they definitely are already a wild animal they're not like cute and and cuddly all the time they'll play with you and like hurt you because they think you're a cheetah mummy, and 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 i'm supposed to have fur (laughs) Um, as well as they will be naughty at times and and try their limits and things it's just like even like a dog would do, but it's just way more painful, way more, way more complicated. And uh, yeah, so I definitely find that even when they're cubs, they they don't have like a, such a sweet nature as we would imagine. And then after that, they become more wild. They always have it. And I try not to remove the, that too much because if you impose yourself too much and I like really work for them to become tame, I mean, that... That will um, that will stay with them in their life and you know we have, I've seen cheetahs that has become very very tame with people and they they have less potential to be rehabilitated after so I try to still allow them their space and their their wild instincts but also getting them like obviously not dangerous and and also very manageable so that we can work together for the rehabilitation stages.
0: What's it like to see a cheetah in full sprint?
1: That that is like the best. The thing is that I see it basically every single day, even twice a day, but I still I'm still amazed every single time. So that kind of already says it how incredible it is. Um they're basically flying in between the in, in between the strides and they are no it's super fast. You can't believe it. It's just like a flash um it's uh it's impressive it's uh, it's so powerful and uh it's, it's just bring you back to like reality <laughs> if you have
0: and then the other thing i'm curious about is like what's it like kind of facilitating or like being in the background while these cheetahs are hunting like obviously in the world we don't see you know in our world everything's great we can go to the supermarket get whatever we want in the wild you're seeing some pretty gnarly nature just savagery like is that something that you grow into is that something you're very comfortable with could you just kind of like talk through some of that like the actual hunt and what's that like
1: okay yeah no it's um definitely something i mean um i feel like i've been comfortable with from the beginning um i've well, it's one of the things I, I love to do with them because That's what they have to do. That's like what they're built for doing. And um, basically how it happens is not they're not planned hunts. We can't just be like, oh, today we're hunting. We just go out on our everyday exertions. And then when there is an opportunity, then that's when it happens. So you basically have to be ready for it at all times. You might be going on your very full present walks and just hearing the purr. And all of a sudden the cheetah is running And, and then there you go, that's your moment. And what I'll be doing is if it's a, if it's a stalk, so if the cheetah is actually stalking the prey, I will stay, I will not move because my movements are not as graceful as the cheetah. So I'll ruin the hunt for her. So I'll stay, I will even like crouch down if I can and hide a little bit. And then once the chase starts, so once the cheetah starts hunting, and actually running after the prey, then I will also start running. And that is just to not lose the cheetah in the field, because the hunt can go quite far away. So um, if she goes away far, then I won't see the cheetah. And I mean, I will uh, struggle to find her after. So basically, yeah, when she starts running, I'll start running and keep as close as I can. And then when it's starting to take the animal down I'll actually join in and make sure that it happens in a good way and that it's humane for the animal um, in the beginning stages the cheetah don't exactly know how to um, do the job quickly so I will support them to kind of show this is the right place to bite and if I do have to I will actually support them in and um, uh, euthanizing the animals so that they it doesn't suffer but I'll do so in a way that the animal actually understands, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. So I'll basically do it at the place where the mother would do it and, uh, and therefore show them that, oh, here is the right spot for you to, to kind of, to dive in. And, um, yeah, it sounds a bit brutal, but I have, uh, today I don't like eat any animal products. So for myself, like, my consciousness is clean. And uh, what I'm doing for the animals is uh, really what they need in their life. So I, I uh, no it can sound a bit brutal but i try to live a like w- very um ethical way in my life so for me those hunts are uh, fine i can i can do that for my babies
0: that is incredible you are a badass i mean that that takes a lot of just skin in the game and just true passion and and mission oriented to be able
1: to do that
0: did you ever see yourself doing that say 8 years ago
1: well no, I don't think so, no. Because when I came, I was very innocent. Like, I'd never uh, been able to, like, euthanize an animal or anything. So, yeah, no, that was definitely few challenges on the way. But the whole thing, like, working with the meat and, like, preparing the foods and all that things brought me to the point. I also did hunt for them in the beginning. And then I, I just didn't want to do I, I would hunt for them, like, go in the reserve and call if we needed to for the cheetahs. And um, I found that was a interesting experience at the time but then later I was like no I don't want to do it someone else can do it because I don't want to kill animals even though I was killed by the cheetahs I was not happy to do it anymore but in this regard no I don't have any problem doing it I mean you you kind of like them you get focused and you like shut down your emotions and like oh this is nature like you're in a hunting mode and um, I don't necessarily enjoy the kind of part where where the animal is, is is going away but the the reward is seeing the cheetah after like have learned all those skills and getting that proud moment where there's a wow I caught this and and getting to enjoy their their food in the felt is, is' very very special
0: would you consider a cheetah to be your spirit animal
1: oh yeah definitely. Um, I've got some individuals I'll be like this cheetah is like literally me in a cheetah format like we are the same I mean it's like uh, we can have the same qualities um since we when we grow up together but like I'll say oh she's so stubborn she's exactly like me or she's like (laughs) she's so determined she's so so much like me so yeah they are definitely my spirit animal.
0: Is there like a community of people that are taking care of like say specifically cheetahs or other niche animals that you're a part of that you're constantly trading like ideas and best practices to further your skills? Or do you feel like a lot of it is just kind of you go in there and you kind of learn as you go? Or do you think that there's kind of like a a rule of thumb or playbook that has been created to kind of fast pass someone into learning to take care of these animals?
1: Oh, no, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of different ways of working with them. And so I mean, there's definitely not a set way of how to do it or how people supposed to do it or anything like that. It's um, every project or every organization have their own ways. What we do is like why I love the project um, is because of the way that the founder of the organization, Damien Vernier, he has a very special like philosophy. Um, And that's really like having the animals doing things on their own terms and because they want to rather than that they have to. And when I started working there, I was like, wow, this is exactly how I would have structured the training if I was the one, like, you know, structuring it. That's exactly how I would have wanted it. So it, I really resonated with it directly and I took it as my own. And that's actually what he told me is like, you're the one person that actually understands this and I, like who actually is so talented and can move forward with this technique. Um, some people would come in and we'd be like oh but it's so boring because you have to have so much patience like you have to be so patient and you might want to just like uh tell you like, come on like just listen to me but no that's not what it's about it's about creating a relationship where you are actually without any form of help so that like, no food no leash nothing that they want to follow you and you can only get that through their own will like they actually really want to and that is takes a lot of patience and that's where people takes a shortcut a lot of the times so a lot of the times where people train she does in other places they'll actually work on a kind of a dominant um way um and negative reinforcement sometimes which is not what i believe in at all i believe in positive reinforcement and um then you'll get an animal that will kind of learn to have to obey you and you'll have a less independent animal that needs to follow a human because it doesn't really know anything else. And that will um, hinder the animal in the rehabilitation. So I definitely um, believe in the kind of innovative training technique and way that we're doing things and actually taking them out in the field to hunt. That's also something that not a lot of places are doing. A lot of places having cheetahs in rehabilitation, they'll use them just as like awareness, um, ambassadors and then people can come and see them and as you mentioned touch them and stuff and more focusing on oh this individual will be able to talk for the species rather than trying to rehabilitate it um, either because they don't have the possibility or the skills for it and so it's a whole different concept and is definitely something we try to create awareness about as well to say that hey whenever you go to places try to be an ethical tourist And if you see that the place is just like, oh, yeah, you can come and pet the animal for X amount of, you know, money and you can do it all times of the day. You can already know it's a bad place because it doesn't have the best interest of the animals in heart, because if you know, there's exceptions, there's exceptions where maybe you can do it for a limited period of the day and it's limited amount of people and it's limited you know, limited activity. So I don't want to say that all places does it is bad because it's ethical ways of doing it. But like I said, if you can just say, oh, I want to pay and I want to do it and you can do it all times of the day, then you can already know it's not ethical because like I said, the animal will be exposed to humans all day long and uh, no one wants, you know, to be watched or touched all day long. I mean, it's horrible. So... Um, we try to we, we try to educate people about being an ethical tourist and that different things to look for when going to a project and if there's a lot of cubs and a lot of young animals ask questions like why are there so much cubs where they're coming from and where they're going because um, sometimes you Give those questions you can hear the answers are not hundred then you know that you don't want to support that organization
0: thank you for just detailing that that must be very frustrating too on the other end because you're constantly trying to correct that behavior and it's like you know you have this moral agenda and you're so passionate about it and it's cra- it's i love the whole idea beyond just helping these amazing animals but you can't buy their love you can't buy this animal's love you need to earn it and I can't imagine just being on this earth, like as a human, as a as a living thing, like something that's more magical than than that. There's definitely gonna be a point in my life where I'm doing what you're doing at some <laughs> point. So right now you're at 17 cheetahs.
1: Uh, we've got 15. Majority of them are wild or semi wild, and then we've got some that are considered then in a status of tame, but they are all being. Um, in a process of like a rehabilitation, but it's a slow rehabilitation, because like I mentioned to you, hunting possibilities is when it's, when there's opportunity. So every single day they get to come out, but because we had a drought, the hunting opportunities are way more scarce than before. So it can take quite a few years before they can actually even have learned their skills to hunt properly. And during that time, it is a lot of work, like I said, with the patients and the positive reinforcement where we are working together, not in a way that we're telling them what to do, but we're working on the way that they want to do what we want to do, basically. And also um, introducing them to different individuals in a natural manner so we could have possible breeding uh, opportunities just because one individual is next to another one and then they are interested in each other and we are just like, the human slaves that says okay we allow you access and that's all like we don't try to force anything or say oh that one and that one for genetic purposes no we believe that nature will know best and so we had had three litters of cubs where that literally happened where two individuals were just like really interested in each other making mating calls and said wow well, okay let's let's allow them access to each other's areas and then we did so and then nature just like blessed us with with beautiful cubs that
0: must be the ultimate feeling to have two of these babies of yours and then they go into they go into some love making but yeah. <laughs> so you're the head of the cheetah conservation are there like other big cats on that conservation
1: um in the within the reserve we actually we have also lions but they are wild and previously rescued from can hunting but they are like completely wild and they can't actually hunt because they were bred for um, for can hunting, which means like basically trophy hunting. So they were never allowed to live in a big area when they were growing up. And so they were just growing up to become someone's trophies. So they don't know how to hunt, but they live in a, one of the biggest um, lion reserves in our area. So it's huge. Um, I think it's... Um, if I want to remember now I think it's about 300 hectares so it's quite a nice area and there's three lions so but that is more of a part of the safari um side of things my focus is really the cheetahs and also any orphan or injured animals that has like taken from the reserve so if we have an animal that is like really definitely abandoned you know we don't do anything unless we know 100% sure that it's not going to make it if we don't help it, uh, animal with a broken leg or something like this, then they will come into the center as well. And I'll be in charge of like caring for their rehabilitation and hopefully um, be able to get them back. It all depends on the situation, of course, um, if they're young or if they, if it's a bad injury, etc. You have a
0: lot of the, the big five there on the reserve in terms of the animals. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we do have a big five. Um, The leopards that we have is completely wild. They live up in the mountains, but they do come down onto the um, plains and they come and grab stuff from the reserve once in a while. They're very elusive because they're like 100% wild. So we only only ever saw them on like tracks and like camera traps and things like that. So yeah, but they are around and I'm like planning to do more hikes up the mountains and I get some good shots of them with the camera traps. Like later this year, I've told myself like it's time because I've been wanting to do that. Um, Lepers are really cool and they're still doing very well in this world of ours where humans are like taking up all the place. They're actually doing quite well still up in the mountains. So I'm very happy about that.
0: Are you ever out with with some of your cheetahs and you come across leopard prints and the cheetahs are like sniffing it and like looking around.
1: <laughs> I haven't actually had that yet. I haven't I haven't had that, but I had moments where I've been in the felt and we've been looking at a print saying, that doesn't look like a cheetah print. That looks like a leopard is way bigger. Um, but yeah, no, we haven't had any encounters with the cheetahs and leopards yet.
0: Out of all the animals on the reserve. So obviously, you know, you're focused with the cheetahs. Is there another animal that really kind of captured your heart while you're out there?
1: Oh, yes. Um, the elephants are incredible. The elephants are very, very special animals. Um, I've, I've got a amazing connection with them and they're so intelligent. I mean, that's just something in a different level where you go and visit them and they will greet you and be like, oh, we missed you. Where have you been, you know? Um, and our elephants are also rescued, So, like, a lot of the reserve is focusing on that. So, they are rescued from the entertainment industry. And they were used in, like, movie shoots and commercials and even, um, I think they were even in a circus for a while. And... After they became problematic animals and then the people didn't see any worth in them anymore and they wanted to get rid of them. So they came to a sanctuary where that that sanctuary actually tries to find good places for them to live on. And when we heard about them, we said, well, we want to take those animals and give them back their freedom. And so they came and they got um, 10,000 hectares where they could roam free. So that's like the biggest area that they could actually have in such a long time and they they became from really aggressive problematic animals to like the sweetest nicest animals because they're just like there we go we finally understood what we wanted we just wanted freedom we just didn't want to be on camera uh shoots and sets and movie things with people all around we just wanted to be elephants in nature so once you know they got their space and their freedom back they became so nice and so relaxed and like i mentioned i sneakily sometimes go and visit them in the reserve and and, uh, bring them some fruits and then they'll actually greet me with like a huge sound which elephants do when they meet each other and then yeah they'll they'll recognize my car and make that sound and that brings me like wow that's so cool like i've got friends as like elephant friends and that's yeah, very special.
0: (laughs) Like just to kind of like circle it back a little kind of on like the business front of conservation say, you know, if you wanted to triple down on your efforts with the cheetahs, what would go into expanding an operation that you're working with right now?
1: Mm, Okay. So, well, the big challenge is always land and space. I mean, And, I mean, funds to actually fence it. And uh, it sounds simple like that, but, I mean, it's such a huge operation to actually fence a big, big area. And really what we would, like, what what is in our minds now, like, what I'm really working for is finding ways to get to that, um, um, get to the point where we can actually... fence off huge amount of areas and really dedicate them to the cheetahs. And it, it can be off reserve because now we are kind of looking at possibilities to, to move to other areas close by where there's like no development at all since the area we're in is, I mean, still very remote, but there is starting to become more development around and, um, and yeah, just focusing on creating kind of a, little cheetah paradise where there's natural bucks already inside so that we might not need to take them out with us. So they're less dependent on us and they can hunt within their area rather than actually, like I said, coming out with us and, and looking for those opportunities. So if we could create create a big enough space where we can have a, a natural balance within the area, the rehabilitation will go way quicker because they can just, live in there and they can, we don't have to, you know, prepare the food for them, they can take their own food and they can get their own opportunities and um, also all the natural instincts will be triggered at all times rather than on certain specific uh, occasions. So that is something that I'm really passionate about and really thinking about, especially this year, uh, wanting to venture out a bit more and and seeing what I can do in the best interest of the cheetahs. That is creating these bigger areas for the ones that are still in rehabilitation stages and then also creating, like, some um, great spaces for the ones that can't be rehabilitated because we do have individuals that have proven not to be able to re- be rehabilitated and creating, basically, like, retirement homes for them. So, yeah, there's a few different things in mind, but... Um, that is the next steps on our level, but then on a conservation level, on a, in a bigger sense, there is so much to do. Uh, and it's just, it's very, very challenging work, but a part of it is, um, a part of my work is actually finding like sourcing contacts that, um, for example, other reserves that have big areas, you know, 10,000 or 20,000, 30,000 hectares that don't have any other predators which is not always the easiest but you know if they don't have any lions or hyenas then that is like cheetah heaven already so then I will look out for those areas and and communicate with the people and go and do um, checks if that could be suitable for perhaps releasing some of our individuals so basically like finding the places all, all over South Africa and then pinpointing which ones could be suitable for which individual and then making that match moving that individual into that area which will basically if it's big enough if the area is big enough it will it will add to the so-called metapopulation of cheetahs which means it becomes a true wild individuals that can um it, which can actually help and benefit species in a level that it can naturally breed and then teach his young to hunt. So that is something I'm working on that we really want to do because we had successful releases before. But we want to do it in bigger areas where they can actually, like I said, hunt, hunt on their own 100% and teach a young, I mean, potentially have young and then teach them how to hunt. Uh, and to actually uh, do a positive impact on the meta population of cheetahs. So. That is an interesting work as well. Not very easy always, but um, we're working for it and uh, constantly looking for possibilities of which we can release some of our individuals.
0: So the biggest X factors is getting the land, getting the fencing. Is there permits and special stuff you got to get as well?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. I know it's it's not an easy process. um, Once everything is acquired, yeah, when you've done the fence, it has to be approved. And then that can be a process as well. After that, I mean, yeah, permits for sure to to keep predators or, you know, endangered species on that area, in that land. There's a lot of paperwork and a lot of logistics up behind all that. So, um, but we've done it quite a few times already, so kind of feel comfortable with it. But it's, we can never give these projects a time frame. We can never say, oh, yeah, next year in... February is going to be done because we never know I mean sometimes you know you have to wait months before they even want to come out and like approve your fencing and you have to just wait for that before you can actually approve and actually apply for permits for example for transporting the animals or moving the animals in so yeah it's a long process it's not very easy but it's definitely worth it once you see the animals out there.
0: Different organizations all have different agendas. And I'm sure there's not just plenty of land to go around.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it sounds easy, like how we're saying it now. But no, definitely. The problem that the is facing is human population, <laughs> constantly increasing and, um, and habitat loss. So we are joining that fight with them, basically. And I mean, Especially in South Africa, there's not a lot of land, and if there's land, it's very expensive. So we have to look at alternative ways, like I was mentioning, finding reserves and then releasing them on a custodian basis so that basically we're not like selling them or donating them. We still look out for them after the release and monitor them. And, and then that allows the cheetah to go out in a space, and we are still allowed to be a part of their process. And then on other other ways also looking at, you know, creating things with other projects that they are interested in helping to fund. And there's just a many ways to, to try to, to do this. Um, but buying land and fencing it's just not possible from a budget perspective because after to get the funds back is is extremely difficult. Um, unless you're going to do a whole operation with safari tours and things, but then it becomes something different um you have to have you know the staff and the vehicles and uh, all these things and um if you want to just dedicate something for the cheetahs you have to find alternative funding possibilities where either you're kind of running on another project that's already doing well like a safari business already doing well or um that you have a plan with volunteers or something of such so there is few different possibilities there's
0: majority of the funding for the, the conservation does it go from tourism or is it a lot of donations like what's like the biggest uh, income chunk for the reserves
1: so it has definitely been for the from the tourism that is where the money comes in um interesting enough our yeah, donation doesn't happen a lot uh but we have also not been like Pushing for it that much, but uh, because we we haven't been wanting to like ask for money. But I'm definitely like open for um, expanding on that part because I know a lot of people are, especially now for me, a lot of people have directly come in contact with me saying that they want to donate and how they can do it. So I want to open up that possibility in a in a better way that people can actually help and support the project um and before we had some donations from time to time but definitely the biggest funds are coming from the tourism the safari and the lodge
0: that's a huge operation you're taking on and the only way it gets done is to have the level of passion that you have for it yeah and it just goes back from when you're a little girl and you wanted to be you said you were thinking about being a vet but you didn't know you didn't really want to be a vet
1: yeah exactly i i I wanted to, well, a part of me when I was very young and without thinking I was always saying I'm going to be a vet. I'm going to be a vet. Got a bit older, I thought, well, I don't thinking into the work and what it entails. I was like, that's not exactly what I want to do though. I don't want to work with the sick animals to like, you know, to to get them better. I would rather work with the healthy animals to maintain them healthy and like care for them. So, and also another thing about the veterinary science is like if you're a veterinarian, you don't really have a connection with the animals at all. I mean, obviously they just come in and they're your patients and then there they go. Um. So, so yeah, no, I definitely knew that I wanted to just do something else and being um, a child I was always like taking in birds that were injured and like trying to rehabilitate them in my house and wanting to care about any animals. So I definitely started to understand that okay animal care is what I want to do but I didn't know um I mean I had a dream because I would always watch Animal Planet and I would you know I was crazy about lion king and all those things <laughs> so I knew that I mean I felt like it resonated with me but I didn't think that I could get a a kind of a a job in in this area and that I could actually fulfill my dream so it was when, when I went to Namibia and when I heard about Western Cape cheetah conservation and the work that Damien Verniel was doing, I was like, I think I could actually maybe get into doing that. Like the, basically a door was opening rather than just being behind a screen and looking at the things like dreaming. I was actually now seeing the possibility and, and like diving straight into it.
0: How would you recommend after everything you've gone through If someone wanted to get involved on maybe a little level, on a big level and and vice versa, what would you recommend to doing? How would someone get their foot in the door? How would someone, what would you recommend like the the quickest steps towards someone making a real impact?
1: Okay, so um, on. you want me to go through like the the small, medium and the big level, or you want me to just do one? Let's just start small and big. Okay, okay, cool. Um, on a, on a smaller level, if you want to get involved, I would say first do a lot of research because you don't, if you really want to do an impact, you want to do it for the animals, for the species and for conservation. You don't want to do it for your own gain. So then having the right organization is, is key. Cause if you just say, oh, I want to do, I want to go and cuddle cheetahs. I want to like do something with cheetahs. And you go somewhere where they're actually not doing anything for conservation um, or having maybe a facade that they do so, then you're you're actually not benefiting the animals at all. Even though you might feel so when you're cuddling them and stuff, but actually on a bigger level you're not. So yeah, working for that is that's the first thing, finding the ethical places that are running their project for the benefit of the cheetah. And then may, maybe what I would say is. Um, having volunteers come in to help with the workload and uh, and and helping to fund the project, those kind of places are imperative for conservation. And like I said, there's a lot of traps out there where they say, "Yay, volunteering with cheetahs and super," and uh, you see all these like pictures of cuddling and things. And that's always a good tell sign. If you see that the big market tool is like, come and spend time with animals, then most of the times so it's not a correct place but if you see that the um the marketing is more like well look at what we are doing look at our project we can actually hunt with cheetahs and stuff and um and you can join that and you can help perhaps your work won't be as fun because maybe you'll be helping more with the prepping of the food and things but you will still have a Important part and you'll be able to support a, a very good project and in that way support those individuals in their process um, So that is what I would say is for someone who would want to do it on a, on a smaller level Maybe like dedicate a few weeks or so to go out and try it that I would say really um, Do a lot of research for the right place and then go out and do it and and help and uh and help with the meat work and help with the cleaning and the enrichments and all that stuff and see like wow that's so cool i can benefit the program and you know you can um help that place also on a like level of the funding because every volunteer matters so that is super important
0: and then on like the full send it level like i'm i'm out this is it i listened to i listened to lisa on this podcast that's it this is the tipping point like quitting my job peace. what would you say to that person
1: all right so then what i would say that is what you need to do is you have to find your you have to find your foundation your foundation has to be a strong educational background like a Your education needs to be there, I feel, because you, like I said, I fall back so many times on my education, and like I know this in my core because I've studied this. So, that is what I believe is the main thing. What you study is not as important. It can be, you know, it can be zoology, it can be uh, veterinarian science, it can be biology as well, animal husbandry course, or nature conservation. I mean, there's a lot of different. Uh, courses and educations, depending on where you live, um, wildlife wildlife rehabilitation. Even some places have so, but having that foundation and that knowledge is super important. Important, and um, and then during that time where you are studying, don't see it as oh no, I have to study for X amount of years. That's so boring. No, just try to see that time as the time to create contacts. And finding your way into the 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 place because you can't take the shortcut. If you just if you just try to get in there without the um, without the right skill sets, then you won't you won't benefit the company. You won't be like benefiting conservation because you won't have those you know skills. You won't have those great ideas that you would have had if you actually had a great educational foundation. Um, so from there, I would say like create connections and meet people, try to do internships in the right areas where it's going to benefit you. During my time uh, in my education, I was always thinking about, I want to have experiences with these species or this kind of field. I want to expand my knowledge in that. And then building my way to um, having a very broad experience, a broad um, knowledge about all different kinds of animals. And I even worked with with training dogs and uh, working with training German Shepherds for the police and the military force in Sweden. And you might think, oh, that has like no benefit for what I'm doing now. But it's not true. Actually, I'm like using a lot of those skills and a lot of those experiences and applying them. I'm not saying that I'm training the cheetahs as a dog, but those experience has given me a lot to work with to apply another techniques on the wild animal. So, like I said, experience is ex- extremely important. doesn't have to be exactly in what you want to do. So if you want to work with lions, don't get overly focused on that you need to do an internship with lions. Do something, you know, something that will benefit you. Something that is um, working in a dog daycare might, you know, sound like it doesn't make sense. But at least you got something in your CV to work on. So then you can count, you can you can work on that. You can get your next job, your next experience. And like I, my first job was working at a stable, um, with horses. And then I went from there to working also in a, a pet store and dog daycare. And you know, then I work with the with the dogs for the training in the military. And you know, you have your building blocks. You can't go from oh. I am I want to do that too. I'm doing that. Unless, like I said, you're just like volunteering for a few weeks. But if you really want to do it, you have to put all those building blocks in. And, and then when you have your your whole package, you're ready and you'll be able to find that job through those connections that you had. And if you have difficulty getting into the area of which you want to focus on, if you want to go to Africa, do volunteering. That's perfect. Because if you you have all that you know, in your luggage and you're like, look at me. I'm like super good. I've got like all this experience. They might be really impressed by you and they might either take you, um, like in, uh, invite you to join the, the program or they might know someone who, you know, who's looking for, uh, a person who, uh, with your kind of skill set. So like I said, really working hard and being dedicated then you'll be able to to get where you want
0: to be right and it's a lot of the type of guests we have on this podcast are different people that you know are startup entrepreneurs maybe big time influencers or marketers or conservationists like yourself what would you say to that person that's sitting right now listening to this maybe at a nine to five that they might like they might not like it might just not be their total passion and they're just scared they're scared to just kind of step out and follow that little itching dream that they got from maybe the lion king or (laughs) um mufasa gave him whatever it is what would you tell that person that's on the fence about making a big change towards whatever it is that they're trying to do
1: um i would say just like take the the big (laughs) big leap out there and like trust yourself you we all know deep in in, within ourselves like what we're meant to do and if we don't yet then it, it will come to us it's just a matter of trusting every step of the way and if you feel like this is not what I want to do right now or that's what I want to do start working for it and start trusting it and um and we we have to be brave in those moments and just say okay like i'm 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 going to start the process of doing that and it can it doesn't have to be as radical it can also be that you just start it on a you know in the beginning on your spare time okay let me take a online course or let me you know try how that feels if i start t- volunteering in the shelter in the weekends or whatever you know it can it really depends on where you're starting at where your starting point um and then but find your next step basically take always your next step don't take someone else's next step and say oh i quit my job i like lost everything i just went to africa i didn't have a job and that's crazy what did i do just to take your steps in the right manner and trust yourself trust your destiny that you know whatever is right for you is going to happen and uh, it might actually not always be what we intended to be. Sometimes we're on a path and we're like, that's what I'm going to do. And then you kind of move a little bit to the side and say, well, that's actually not exactly what I was supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. So we have to be open for every experience. We have to be open and uh, honest with ourselves so that we can. Um, we can find those paths and the right path for you as well as like I was talking about the cheetahs were teaching me to be present because if we're not present then we're going to miss a lot of things and even when you have a great opportunity at hand maybe you're thinking about oh all the things I would love to have been doing but you're missing an opportunity in this present moment so be present you know talk with people you never know who is going to help you on this path. You never know who's that person is going to grab you and say, Hey, I know someone who can help you. So, um, yeah, that would be my advices on the, um, on this regard.
0: Lisa, you're incredible. Thank you so much for jumping on. Seriously. It means a lot. And I know that your story it's already has, but it's going to continue to impact so many people. And you got to be like, so proud of yourself and what you've done. I mean, I'm assuming when you look at your friends, you're doing something completely unique and different compared to everyone else.
1: Yeah, it's a very different path, a different life. Um, but I'm so happy that I've um, I've dived into this one. And I mean, I really feel like I'm living my passion and my true purpose. And um, it is super rewarding. I mean, it's, it's a very, very special life. It has its frustrations and difficulties like everyone. And that's where I was saying like be present because... Like I said, my life might look shiny and like, oh, I'm just hanging out with cheetahs all day. But of course, there's other things, other frustrations, difficulties, um, whatever that is, you know. What is important is to enjoy what you're doing and like put your focus in the positive, be present and and yeah, I mean, have fun. And <laughs> and not think too much about the future and not too much about the past. And like I said, the cheetah taught me that, so I think is a great lesson for all of us Wow
0: that sounded like straight out of the words of Rafiki right there <laughs> <laughs> so Lisa how can people follow your journey
1: um they can follow me on Instagram I've got my platform is Lisa Torah Jacqueline there is where I post a lot of my like, daily activities and things like I said the most shiny ones maybe. Uh, and uh, yeah, soon I'm actually working on a website, but that is going to be my name and my surname, so lisakitazawa.com, and and that will be soon a new platform where you can follow me. I wanted to do some blog posts and things, still in the making, but yeah, quite soon we'll be there.
0: Awesome! Well, I can't wait to check in on you and just <laughs> see your progress. So, with that said, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. And uh, till next time.
1: Yeah super. Thank you so much. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of
0: Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time. Peace.